You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 266, Part 2, second of three volumes in that number, uh, entitled Esoteric Lessons, 1910-1912, to translated by James Hines. This section 3 that we're on now is covering pages 87 to 131 in the book. Esoteric Lesson, given in Kassel on December 3rd and 4th, 1910. Notes from Wilhelm Hüberschleiden Esoteric lesson exercises are the technique of the spiritual life. Maya equals Maha-Aya. Ya or Ye equals being. A equals negation. Maha-Aya thus, great not-being. We have become inhabitants of earth only through the influence of Lucifer and Araman. Otherwise, our eyes, capital, would have remained in spiritual regions and guided our bodies on the surface of the earth from those regions. Despite the fact that Lucifer and Araman battle against the direct workings of the Divine Spirit, they are intended by the Spirit, because only through such resistance does the eye arrive at a complete physical objectification. If Araman did not exist, we would not see at all the green of the plants as such, but only the spiritual being represented by the plant. An individual plant is like a hair on the body of the earth, so to speak. Our egotism arises only through Lucifer and Araman. However, it is necessary that these beings live in us and come to full expression. For only in this way can all life be completely physically formed. But we must become aware that all our actions have a selfish nuance. Our compassion drives us to help because we simply do not like feeling the suffering of others. There is no point in the infinity of space that does not have force. All human etheric brains of differ more than the leaves of a tree. The luminous points in a brain are like a photograph of the heavens full of stars. The effects of Atma, Buddhi, and Manas are formed in the human eye, E-Y-E. And there's a symbol of a triangle with an eye in the center of it. This symbol works on us in the night too. We should keep the chaotic impressions of the day away as much as possible. We should also refrain from chatting or speaking casually about theosophy during our daily acts, such as while eating. It should be a sacred matter. End of Esoteric Lesson Esoteric Lesson given in Munich on December 11, 1910 Record A, Manuscript from Matilda Scholl, Barbara Wolf, Amelie Fugger-Glett Record B, Manuscript from Alice Kinkle. Record A, 
We have often spoken in our esoteric lessons about the paths that esotericists had to follow in the ancient mystery schools. At that time, human beings and their soul and spiritual characteristics were turned inside out, so to speak, turned around relatively more quickly by means of certain methods, because human souls and bodies back then were more robust than now. They had stronger souls, and because the soul is the architect of the physical body, the physical body was also stronger. This was at a time earlier than our historical research can reach. Humanity at that time was altogether less complicated, more unified. It came forth from the bosom of the Godhead, and its task is, after gradually losing its ancient clairvoyance, to raise itself again to divinity on its path through matter by taking up the Christ impulse and filled with it, uniting again with God. Because of constantly increasing materialism, human beings have become gradually weaker in spirit, soul, and body. One can no longer subject the more delicate constitutions now to the kinds of trials imposed upon students in the ancient mystery schools. Back then work was done in the first instance to eliminate two traits that those to be initiated in their instability soon learned to know and set aside, egotism and fear. With our usual concepts of the physical plane, we cannot judge at all what egotism really is. Those to be initiated were put to sleep. Then their souls were shown in the spiritual world what they had achieved up till then. The I capital was absorbed by the macrocosm, and they noticed that they were nothing. Of course, this standing before nothingness as before a dark abyss stirred up their feelings of fear, which they had to move beyond. They came forth from these trials, either useless for external life, because they fully understood the knowledge that everything transitory is futile, or they remained strong and resolved to use this incarnation as much as possible to evolve further and one day come to know the higher worlds. A modern person could not be handled in such a robust way. It is already a lot for people of today when they say that the ground under their feet is swaying. The entire striving of modern people is to stand firmly. They do not wish to make a leap, but rather move forward at a slow pace. Esotericists, however, must make a leap over the abyss. They should allow the ground to slip away. For when they want to penetrate into the spiritual world, the concepts they have formed here on the physical plane will help them absolutely not at all. They are not allowed to take any of those concepts with them across the threshold. There is one thing alone they are allowed to keep, the ability to form concepts, a sense for truth and logic. The capacity for forming new concepts and a sense for the new truths they will learn. The masters of wisdom and harmony of feelings send us a comparison so that we can understand this matter. It is as though we were to see all the objects in our room in a mirror and then were to go around behind the mirror in order to discover reality there.
we would see that there is nothing behind the mirror. It is the same with our concepts in higher worlds. Here, we must allow concepts about the higher worlds to flow into us from higher beings. These concepts must work on us so that we form such concepts for ourselves. When we have then acquired some for ourselves with earnest and honest work, then we must again step before the mirror, make a bold decision, and shatter it. Then a darkness, a gaping nothingness will again face us. But when we steadily endure this, then a light will appear for us in the darkness, and an entirely new world will be revealed. Our esoteric work consists in this, that we gradually raise the astral body and etheric body into spiritual heights. In this way, however, the lower part of the two bodies remains behind in the physical body. Now the I, capital, plays a peculiar role between these two parts that have been torn apart. Because of the fact that we had been so anchored in the material world, the I is chained to the lower parts, and is their slave, so to speak. In this way, peculiar phenomena appear. The astral body, now left alone, might have some sort of vice, which we might have mastered easily earlier, when its better part was still connected with it. This astral body now finds such vices growing boundlessly, and the human being appears to him or herself as a totally dissolute person. If the eye were united with the higher parts, then from there it could rule over the lower, and thereby over all drives, desires, and passions. Then the higher parts would also not be unconscious as they are when the eye is in the lower. Because of the fact that the higher part leaves the lower bodies often become weak. Then the physical body also inclines toward illness. But this is a transitory condition. For when the higher parts have obtained enough strength from the higher worlds, they will again work upon the lower to harmonize and make them healthy. Esotericists must simply say with such irregular phenomena in their lower bodies, I will stand firm. Through thick and thin, I will go my way to the Spirit, whatever may come to meet me. If they remain anchored against their mistakes, then they will also master them. Art should be an aid in these battles. True art was given to us for this purpose. Any art that does not elevate us must perish. It cannot endure. It is not true art. When artists have recognized the mission of art, when art is permeated by theosophy, then it will become what it should be. When the gods created human beings, they gave us weaknesses too, so that we could test our strength on them. For this reason we should be thankful also for our weaknesses, because fighting them makes us strong and free. But for that reason we must never for a moment love them, We could never have thanked such gods as might have created us pure and perfect, for they would have made us weaklings at the same time. And we should say to ourselves, even if the world were full of devils, 
we, nevertheless, have our origin in God, ex Deo Nasimur. When we earnestly battle and strive without letting up to enter the spiritual world, then we will feel how the lower, the error-prone part of us dies away, in Christo Morimor. And then we will awaken in higher worlds consciously, per spiritum sanctum rebevissimus. There is an exoteric version and an esoteric version of this verse. Used esoterically speaking, the most holy name can cause earthquakes, storms and thunder, powerful events in nature, if the speaking happens unworthily. For our thoughts, even our hidden thoughts, have a destructive effect in the spiritual worlds if they are false. That is what is meant where it says in the Rosicrucian Mysteries that the gods must often break worlds in order to repair the damage that we human beings have done. Therefore the esoteric version of the verse is ex deonasimur in blank morimur per spiritum sanctum revivissimus End of Record A Record B Manuscript from Alice Kinkle An esotericist must acquire entirely different concepts. As an example for this change in concepts, the Masters have said we must see our task as a mirror that we have to break through. Esotericism must tear apart our entire being, and we must take the etheric body, astral body, and I, and an extract of our physical body, above with us, everything that has been purified. The lower part of our being we leave behind below in all three bodies, which are then left to themselves. And if the physical body is not carefully watched, this separation of the higher from the lower brings about disease or weakness in the physical body. The body becomes especially susceptible to the diseases of the current age. In the etheric body our memory is lost. In the astral body the passions are strengthened. This can be intensified to the point of dissolute behavior because of this split in the human being. Clear thoughts and feelings are realities in the spiritual world, and the expression is true that says, quote, the gods must break worlds, and so forth, close quote. Consideration of the Rosicrucian verse exoterically and esoterically. Egotism in everyday life is something entirely different from egotism in the spiritual world. Physical life is simply not possible without egotism. An esotericist must acquire positivity and self-possessed composure. Blasphemy of God is denial of the wisdom of the world. It is denial of all that encounters us. We should be grateful to the gods for our mistakes because a stronger power is formed through overcoming mistakes. The end of the esoteric lesson. Next esoteric lesson given in Hanover, December 17th and 18th, 1910. Notes from Emily Hübner, and this is a very short one. It begins with E, English sound long E, leads to the divine within. A, revelation of the divine. A, 
leading upward to the divine. O enclosing the revealed form. E expresses the incomprehensible form, withdraws before shy reverence. U divine peace, rest. A overcoming difficulties. Knowledge of the world, macrocosm, self-knowledge, microcosm. This is a reflection of the archetype. End of Esoteric Lesson Esoteric Lesson, Berlin, December 20, 1910 Origin of Manuscript Unknown From the Feda Collection Esoteric Lesson exercises are the technique of the spiritual life. Ordinary human beings have their physical and etheric bodies bound closely together. When they use their physical bodies, whether in raising a hand or in thinking, they set the corresponding part of the etheric body in motion at the same time. This should become different for an esotericist. The connection should become looser. Human beings have a backbone that is connected to the brain and the sense organs. When we meditate, we create in the etheric body a front bone, in quotes, which is the series of lotus flowers that lie behind the sternum. The human being will no longer have a sternum in the seventh post-Atlantean age. By means of the loosening of the physical and etheric bodies mentioned above, the human being now becomes able to heal his or her own wounds faster, and so forth. On the other hand, weaknesses of the physical body can appear that had remained hidden at first because of the close connection between etheric and physical. Without any exaggeration, one should not pay particular attention to all these little pains and sufferings. It will all pass. In the transition time of this loosening, one can certainly feel unwell. Simply studying theosophy brings about this loosening already, although scientific development makes the connection between etheric and physical bodies even stronger. Thus, through meditation, the etheric body acquires the inclination to separate from the physical body. This can be strengthened by means of an appropriate diet. Through diet, it is the other way around. The physical body gets the tendency to expel the etheric body. This is an aid that brings about exactly what is wrong, unless it is supplemented with esoteric exercises. If that happens, then the physical body expels the etheric body, with the etheric body having developed sense organs. Then one is blind and sees only one's own fantasies. As our sheaths undergo changes in this way, our connection with the macrocosm is also changed. This connection must be cultivated in the right way, otherwise harm results, not only in the human being but in the entire universe. For example, if someone in an inappropriate society were to speak the holy, unspeakable name, something worse than earthquakes and volcanic outbreaks would be conjured up over the entire region. Therefore, there is an enormous difference in how the Rosicrucian verse is spoken, whether with a name that is merely a pseudonym for the highest spiritual being or without this name 
only the last way of speaking the verse is an esoteric way. End of esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Stuttgart, Christmas to New Year's Eve, 1910. Summary of two lessons. Notes from Günther Wagner. Our esoteric feeling of responsibility must be increased. We must acquire theosophical conscientiousness. It is seldom to be found today outside in the world. Example 1. A man who wanted to write a long book and also wanted to absorb something concerning theosophy asked Dr. Steiner to tell him his opinion about it because he had no time to concern himself with it. Number 2. An American summarized the lectures he heard here by Dr. Steiner as much as he understood them and published them as a book in America. We must acquire theosophical tact and speak about the esoteric school and so forth only when it is appropriate. Never speak about esoteric matters while eating. Our physical bodies have grown together very closely with our etheric bodies. A loosening is possible in two ways. One on exoteric paths with external exercises and vegetarian food. Number two, on esoteric paths through training, meditations, and so forth. The first works on the astral body and the second works on the etheric so that it is loosened. One could say that through meditation, concentration, and so forth, a frontal spinal cord of the lotus flowers is created as a counterpart to the physical spinal cord. This is what is proper, so that no injury can occur to the physical body. If, on the other hand, only external means are used, then a loosening of the etheric body will occur without its being strengthened by meditation or the introduction of theosophical truths. The consequence must be illness of the physical body, or if the etheric body has also been loosened from the physical brain, then confusion and so forth will occur. End of Esoteric Lesson Esoteric Lesson given in Stuttgart on December 31, 1910 Manuscripts from Matilda Scholl and Barbara Wolf. Esotericists should bring clearly to their consciousness what they are actually doing with the exercises that have been given to us. We have often spoken about the fact that the striving of an esotericist is intended to loosen the etheric body and altogether to loosen the four bodies with respect to each other. Now this can happen in two ways, an exoteric and an esoteric. One can cause the physical body to expel the etheric body, to squeeze it out by sufficiently preparing the physical body through diet, breathing exercises and so forth. Fundamentally speaking, our vegetarian way of life has the purpose only of supporting the physical body in this effort. This is an exoteric means of loosening the bodies. The esoteric means are our meditation exercises. And here it must be said that this is the main thing, that we must carry out our exercises with devotion and earnestness, that everything else should only be a support for this main thing. 
In our materialistic age, there are many who, in their materialistic longing, would follow the most detailed dietary instructions and would do breathing exercises for hours if they could thereby achieve something. However, striving spiritually by means of meditations and concentration exercises is much less pleasant, and often only this reveals the spiritual lethargy present. But if we squeeze out the etheric body through physical influences alone, then the physical body would not be able to give the etheric body anything, and it would step out into the unknown empty-handed. Then certain mental states appear. For example, we would not be able to properly take hold of something with our thinking when we want to think our way through something. With the etheric brain, we would be unable to make proper use of the physical brain because we would not be properly incarnated in it. It would be as though we were swimming in water and wanted to grasp something that always slips away from us. Reasonable esotericists in such a condition would say to themselves that they must first of all create order here through suitable will, concentration and thought exercises. Also, in normal development, some things will occur that we must say are a passing tribulation. The withdrawal of the etheric body has much the same significance for the physical body as the temporary loss of fluids has for a plant. It dries out. And the physical body also dries out in part, although it is not visible physically. And where the physical body has a disposition toward illness, it will come forth. But when the physical body has been permeated by spiritual truths, it draws from them new strength, and this in turn brings health to the physical body. One can observe that even cuts in the physical body heal faster, and wounds altogether heal faster, when we are permeated by spiritual truth. Indeed, when we just allow theosophical modes of thought to work in us. To begin with, we are working on the astral body with our meditations. This astral body is architect of the nervous system that proceeds to the spinal cord, or, as one says today, proceeds from it. Now, in the etheric body, we are to achieve an imprint from the astral body that is developed as lotus flowers, which are connected to one another, and in this way create a, quote, frontal cord, Close quote, so to speak. This frontal cord is, of course, present only in the etheric and astral realms and can be formed only through meditation and concentration. For this reason, they are the most important part of our esoteric development. And the only thing that is directly injurious for an esotericist is the consumption of alcohol. In any case, alcohol must always be avoided. It is, of course, good for us to support the process with a vegetarian diet because this lifting out of the etheric body is not at all easy today. Many of our modern-day professions are directly set up to drive the etheric body firmly into the physical body. Thus it can often directly cause pain to clairvoyants when they see something like that. 
Also the food that is served today in our great hotels is entirely prepared so as to drive the etheric body firmly into the physical body. Through esoteric work on ourselves, we should acquire a new way of thinking, feeling and willing. When we have boldly taken the courage to walk the path of an esotericist, we must say to ourselves that we must, quote, jump over an abyss, close quote. Once we have thought through a thought, we must pass it through our feeling and permeate it entirely with our feeling so that we do not say something lightly, something that we have not actually grasped in its depths. A sentence that we can so often hear people say today, which is abused in its applications as few others, is, quote, I am a Christian, close quote. Esotericists should be clear that, quote, being a Christian, close quote, is a distant, distant ideal toward which they must constantly strive. To live as a Christian means, above all, to accept with serenity whatever destiny may bring us, to never complain about the work of the gods, to accept with joy whatever they may send. It means that the saying, quote, look at the birds in the sky, they do not sow, they do not reap, they do not gather into barns, and yet they receive what they need, close quote, becomes second nature in us. Accept with gratitude what is given to us. Then we are living according to this verse. If we do not do this, then the verse becomes blasphemy in our mouths. Altogether, it should be clear to us that if we do not sufficiently prepare ourselves for the leap over the abyss into the spiritual world, we would perpetrate so much damage that the divine worlds would have to shatter in order to repair this damage. For what is ruined must be destroyed in order to be built anew. We have emerged from the spirit, ex deonasimer, and when we make the leap over the abyss, we express that with in Christo mortimer, with firm confidence that we will live again on the other side in the Holy Spirit, per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. And because we should keep the name of the Most Holy Being who has always been connected with our earthly evolution, so holy that we do not speak it unworthily, there is an esoteric version of the Rosicrucian verse in which the name is not spoken. Ex Deonasimer in Morimur per Spiritum Sanctum Revivissimus The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric Lesson, given in Stuttgart on January 1st, 1911. Record A, manuscript from Marie Steiner. Record B, manuscript from Camilla Wandry. Record C, manuscript from Nellie Lichtenberg. Record A, Maha Aya, the Great Not Being. E, Existence. A, forming oneself, I am becoming aware of oneself. The Word works to educate and restore health. Morning and evenings as prayer for the benefit of children and the ill. To battle against ambition, vanity, arrogance, think on the teachings of theosophy. Envy, jealousy, 
think on a beautiful work of art. Chattiness, curiosity, anger, irritation, a quarter hour of quiet daily. Record B. A famous inscription, the Delphic A, this is the English vowel sound long A with the diphthong E sound at the end dropped, stood above the gate to the temple at Delphi. It means you are, second person of the present indicative of the verb to be. Plutarch said that it was the greeting of the divinity on behalf of those who entered the temple. The Delphic sound A signified the number five, or half of the zodiac, that is, the five ascending signs. The Delphic A is also the anchor of the Seleucids. It was taken over by the Gnostics in order to signify the Savior, and is often found among talismans and amulets of early Christians. Readers aside, now there are some symbols here. I'm unclear on them. I'm going to pronounce them as I see fit. I apologize. And of readers aside. Mahaaya. Ah, existence. Ea, inwardly ensouled existence. Aya, non-existence abolishes again. Maha, great powerful. Mahaaya. Great non-existence, illusion. CH, diffusion. IN, inner reflection. IACHEN, creative word that calls the spiritual beings in the world, works to heal, warm inwardly, gives strength. End of record B, record C. MAHAAYA, A equals existence. YA equals inwardly ensouled existence. Aya equals non-existence, abolishes it again. Maha equals great existence. Mahaaya equals contracted to. Maya, the great non-existence, illusion. CH equals dispersion. IN equals inner reflection. Iachen equals creative word that calls spiritual beings in the world. Works to warm inwardly. End of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Stuttgart on January 2nd, 1911. Notes from the collection of Fred Puppig. One must take the esoteric life seriously. For this reason, an esoteric hour must always be something holy. One should never accept it as something routine. All were certainly not aware of the necessary earnestness when they were asked to join the esoteric circle. However, now they should become increasingly conscious of this necessity and strive for a connection with the spiritual worlds so that they do not fall back into the everyday world. We are to consider the exercises that have been given us as coming from the Masters. Esotericists should attend to themselves and their feelings. Especially they should look at what concerns their self-knowledge. Most people, and we certainly belong among them, indulge in great illusions when it comes to themselves. We must attend especially to egotism. 
We often fool ourselves that we have done something selfless, or also we may feel jealousy and hatred toward someone to whom, as an esotericist, we must tell the, in quotes, truth, and that we are not permitted to allow this or that from him. As soon as feelings like this arise in us, we should imagine that we are subject to great illusions, whose deeper cause always arises from egotism. Feelings like this always express themselves with a feeling of warmth that flows through the etheric body, indeed the part that we call the warmth ether, and then through the blood, and it works on the physical body. Feelings of this kind always have a deleterious effect on the human being and world evolution. The hierarchies who are charged with guiding karmic connections then work in such a way that they employ certain beings that destroy certain constructive effects in us. And in this way these beings also work destructively in the soul and indirectly into the body. These are luciferic beings who have been entrusted with this task. This then is their work upon us. Correct self-knowledge through insight into our own base nature will permeate us with a cold, icy feeling in place of the feeling of warmth mentioned above, which satisfies us so. Everything that gives us satisfaction from our sensations and so forth expresses itself as the feeling of warmth described above, as opposed to this feeling of cold that enters with true knowledge of the self. These luciferic beings who approach a pupil destructively in this way are revealed to a clairvoyant a certain multitude whose leader is Samael. These beings, which are in no way similar to human beings, are always perceptible to the eye, E-Y-E, of the spirit. If we have a feeling of disgust upon waking, as is often the case, especially with esoteric pupils, then such a feeling is almost always attributable to egotism, which often lies unrecognized, deep in unconscious depths of soul. Furthermore, we must direct our attention to everything connected with untruthfulness. Indeed, because of upbringing, we may never speak any blatant falsehood. Nevertheless, we always have a tendency to want to appear better than we really fundamentally are. Or, when it is a matter of life and death to admit the truth, we rather remain silent and conceal the truth. All of this also has an injurious effect on world evolution, and thereby works destructively on a human being. The effects of such untruthfulness work on the astral body, then on the etheric body, indeed upon the part we call the light ether. From here such injurious influences affect the physical body, especially the nervous system. The luciferic beings connected with this, whose leader is Azazel, are revealed to a clairvoyant as looking similar to a human being, usually as a head with the wings of a raven. Those who incline toward untruthfulness will usually be able to sense a choking, scratching feeling in their throat. They also often have the feeling as if they were being pinched with pliers and tortured by a thousand arms. Everyone who perceives him or herself with exactness 
will then notice how deeply he or she is still tangled in lies and dissembling. Furthermore, it is important to become aware of a certain indifference and insensitivity to spiritual worlds and influences. Many esotericists listen to an esoteric lesson, yet what is presented finds no echo in them. They cannot lift themselves up spiritually out of their usual daily life to give themselves to spiritual thoughts. Others do so only out of curiosity. They have the intention to see something in the spiritual worlds and then blindly start off meditating without wanting to devote themselves to a regular study because that is too much trouble. This has an injurious effect on the eye, capital, and then from there into the astral body, then further on the etheric body, and indeed on the part we refer to as the chemical ether, and from chemical ether into the secretions and glands of the physical body. There is a difference between the relationship that esotericists have with these luciferic multitudes and the relationship non-esotericists have with them. For example, Azazel and his multitude constantly want to bring forth only good effects in non-esotericists, since they bring about only supplementary effects and are not injurious to health. However, esoteric pupils are required constantly to be conscious of their complete responsibility for themselves and the world. For this reason, a dull esotericist will have a slight feeling of drowning when walking in the morning. Indeed, the more he or she has surrendered him or herself to the usual life of the senses during the day. Therefore, esotericists should constantly watch over themselves, and it will not hurt if they sometimes become melancholic brooders. Only in this way will they understand what is brought to us at the conclusion of every esoteric lesson by the Masters. Quote, In the spirit lay the seed of my body. In my body lies the seed of the spirit. End of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Berlin, January 17, 1911. Record A, author of Manuscript Unknown. Record B, notes from Günther Wagner. Record C, manuscript from Camilla Vandri. Additional record, author unknown. Record A. In our meditations, we have given the techniques of our esoteric life. These consist in this, that we allow thoughts to work upon us and awaken sensations and feelings that are not taken from the physical plane. All thoughts are of two kinds, those that are awakened in us by perception of the physical plane, and those such as are given to us by theosophy. Everything in the physical world is maya, including our physical body. How is it that this world is actually present? What do the planet, stones, and animals around us consist of? Through the fact that higher beings formulated a thought millions and millions of years ago and then thought these things again and again, these things follow the principle expressed in the old st- saying, quote, steady drops hollow the stone, close quote. The same thoughts reinforce one another and finally create the physical object. The harder the stone is, the longer it is 
thought, in quotes, upon. Our physical body is also nothing other than the thought of many different higher beings. When we think only the usual thoughts of the physical plane, they're not actually thoughts, but rather mirror images, the illusion of a thought. For everything in the physical world has already been thought a long time ago. We are doing nothing more than repeating those thoughts, and improperly at that. For example, when someone hears a bell sounding, the tone from the bell isn't anything real, but rather the situation is as follows. What a bell is was thought out millions of years ago. So too what constitutes our brain was thought out millions of years ago. The interaction between tone and brain creates the sound that we hear. All physical thoughts are unfruitful and will have a destructive effect as time passes. They put the astral body into a certain vibration, but that was already planted in us by higher beings. Anyone who never thinks non-sensorially never brings new forms into the astral body. What happens in the astral body works back upon the etheric body, but the etheric body is so constituted that it is designed to absorb new thoughts and forms. The old forms bring destruction into it, and from there also on the physical filaments of our nervous system. In sleep, all that must be built up again. The astral body is then inserted into the higher hierarchies for a time, and thereby gets strengthened again. The etheric body is separated from the astral body, and is thereby regenerated. Without sleep, the human being could not live very long. But thoughts that are not derived from the senses have an effect that is fructifying and upbuilding. Because of those thoughts, the human being is counted in the ranks of the hierarchies. They build new forms, the lotus flowers, into the astral body. For this reason, it is necessary to repeat a meditation hundreds of times. The mental pictures that we make for ourselves from theosophical teachings for thinking about something is also meditation, will not at first be entirely free of the world of the senses. For example, when it is said that old Saturn was a sphere of warmth, that the music of the spheres sounds forth in Devakan, then this will at first be imagined in sensory images similar to the warmth in our blood, as a beautiful symphony and the like. However, as the thought is constantly repeated, the sensory element that still adheres to it will fall away by itself, and then the supra-sensory remains. The most sense-free thoughts in the world are mathematical, but even when modern human beings think triangle, they think it with color and a certain thickness, not abstractly enough. However, we come closer to supra-sensory thoughts when we attain to relationships. Remembering a sound is still a memory of something sensory. Remembering a melody is already something more, for it consists of a relationship between tones, which does not belong to the world of the senses. Or imagine a villain, and standing nearby another villain, or even two good people standing near one another, 
and one villain is a greater villain than the other, or one good person is better than the other. Then in this relationship there lies something that is not in the physical sensory world, something that leads us up into the spiritual world. When we think of or see a villain, then we are affected in an unpleasant way. But when we see two villains next to each other, the worst villain will please us more than the less evil villain because greatness always attracts. The effect of Shakespeare's various dramas is based on this fact, for example. For this reason, it is so important for us to observe and study relationships in the external world, for this leads us away from the sensory world. Another way to become free of the senses in our thinking consists in this, that we allow processes to unfold in reverse order. For example, saying the Lord's Prayer backward or the reversed retrospective of our meditations. We improve our memory only in this way. Memory has diminished enormously in the last four to five centuries and that will be the case even more in the future if people do not now take hold of the opportunities that are offered to improve it. The time for these opportunities is especially favorable now. Later, they will simply not exist. Then memory will become something other than simply waiting to see if the content wants to appear out of some dark corner. It will be a kind of probing toward the past, like sending out feelers that reach for the past as if it were something real. The present time is now especially favorable for this development and for esoteric development. So we see how the body is maya. Thoughts come from beings who are again themselves thoughts. The thought thinks the thought. This is a sentence for meditation of the highest significance. It is not the brain that thinks, not the etheric or astral body, but rather thought itself thinks thoughts. That is also what clearly emerges from our verse, quote, in the spirit lay the seed of my body. End of record A. Record B. Steady drops hollow a stone. The hierarchies have, again and again, periodically, held firmly to the same thoughts. That is, they have perfected further the same thoughts, and in this way work creatively. Thus our entire body and we ourselves were created through thought, actually nothing more than thoughts. Thinking about what already exists is never creative but rather destructive for the nerves and also for the etheric body, the actual organ for our advancing evolution. The disruptive effects of the astral body go into the etheric body during the day. The physical and the etheric body must be creatively restored in the night when they are freed from the astral body. Thoughts. So too the astral body is restored itself. Only when we think supra-sensory content do we ourselves work creatively as a human hierarchy and create lotus flowers through hundred and thousand-fold repetition. 
then we are also imprinting the etheric body as the hierarchies would. Although the meditative images are taken from the sensory world, they are stripped of the sensory content through constant deepening and repetition. Already the relationships between sensory things and between good and bad people, even the reversal of a time sequence during the evening retrospection, help toward sensory free thought. Immersion in, quote, thought thinks the thoughts, close quote. We should use the present era for ascending upward. The times do not always offer such an opportunity. The end of record B. Record C. The hierarchies have concentrated periodically on the same thoughts again and again. Parenthesis, constant thoughts consolidate and strengthen what lives in wavering appearances. Close parenthesis. The hierarchies elaborate and perfect the same thoughts further and further. In this way they are created. Thus the various bodies and the spiritual and soul substance that live in those bodies have been created by this thinking of the gods. Actually, they are nothing more than the thoughts of the gods. The thinking that we do with the help of the brain is not creative. Rather, it is destructive for the nerves as well as for the etheric body, which is actually the organ for advancing evolution. During the day, it is injured by the destructive effects of the astral body. During the night, the physical and etheric bodies must be freed from this destructive influence of the astral body and restored again by creative thoughts. So too the astral body itself. Only when we feel ourselves to be the hierarchy of human beings, that is, when we think thoughts of the greater world, only then do we ourselves not have a destructive effect, but rather creative through thousand-fold repetition of such lofty thoughts with content as is given to us in meditation, do we create. To begin with, we create the lotus flowers. Then we also are imprinting the etheric body as the hierarchies would. The meditations contain images and words that are taken from the sensory world, to be sure. Yet through constant immersion and repetition that penetrate behind the words and images to the hidden essences, the words and images are stripped of their sensory elements. And when we penetrate far enough to rest in the essences that are hidden in the depths of the words and images, then, by means of meditation, we come into another world. Immersing oneself in the thought, quote, thought thinks thoughts, close quote, helps us achieve this. Knowledge is always addressed as light, wisdom addressed as a kind of fluid element, water, in parentheses, occult. The end of record C. Here is a supplement added by the German editor. What is meant by this last sentence, quote, wisdom addressed as a kind of fluid element, water, occult, 
is presented in greater detail in Notes from a Lecture on May 24, 1905 in Berlin, Collected Works, Volume 323A. If we want to acquire a real picture of four-dimensional space, we must carry out very specific exercises in imagination. First, we form a very clear and deepened perception of water. Such a perception is difficult to arrive at. We must immerse ourselves very exactly in the nature of water. We must, quote, climb into, close quote, water, so to speak. The second thing we must do is achieve a perception of the nature of light. Of course, we know what light is, but only in the way that we receive it from outside. By means of meditation, we can get an inner counter-image of light, know where light comes from, and then, for that reason, bring forth light ourselves. Those people who allow pure concepts to work on their souls meditatively can do it. Those who can think free of the senses. Then the whole surrounding world opens for them as flooding light. Then they must chemically combine, so to speak, the perception of water that they have formed with that of light. This water entirely permeated by light is a body that alchemists called mercury. Alchemical mercury, however, is not ordinary quicksilver. First, we must awaken in ourselves the capacity to generate mercury from the idea of light. Mercury, the power of water permeated by light, is what we position ourselves to possess. That is one element of the astral world. The second thing arises when we create for ourselves a clear visual perception of the air, and then, through a spiritual process, we draw out of this perception the power of air. Unite this power with feeling within ourselves. Then you enkindle thus the idea of heat fire. Then you get fire air. So one element is drawn out, the other is produced by you yourself. This air and fire the alchemists called sulfur, luminous fire air. In truth, you have in the watery element the matter of which it was said, quote, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Close quote. And here's another quote. Water is water and remains water. Water is water and remains water. From the heaven of the wise, water rains down. The stone of the wise weeps the water of tears. But the world does not value water of this kind. Its fire burns in water and lives in water. Make water from fire. Cook fire in water. And you will have fiery water, like highly salted seawater. Your child is living water. If body and soul are consumed in water, it becomes stinking, green, foul, blue like heavenly water. Digest calcinate, dissolve, and putrefy the water. Seek the philosopher's fourfold permanent water, and if it is made well, 
Art becomes water. Close quote, end of that additional record. Another additional record. There is another write-up whose author is unknown. However, the text is as is of such questionable quality that it is given here only for the sake of completeness. The alchemical secret says to the human being, quote, achieve for yourself the light permeated power of water. Close quote. This is a picture for the higher consciousness that is attained through initiation. Human beings learn to add to what they can learn from their senses externally about things. They learn to experience the inner being of things. And gradually they advance from the mere concept that one forms of a thing to the essence that once creatively formed this thing to the divine idea. And that then becomes true reality. Thus one grasps the difference between today's understanding and intellect and the creative powers in the world. Inner wisdom that has sunk into the darkness of the unconscious continues working in the human being in dreamless sleep. And the task of the esotericist is to lift up this inner wisdom into the sphere of consciousness. For this reason, human beings have received the self, the I capital. This is the I consciousness, the I am, that every human being once was before it was poured into the human being by that collective being that we have symbolized as water. Divine beings had it. Human beings received it after it was embodied. Here we have the difference between what we call in Christianity the Holy Spirit and the Spirit itself. This is the Holy Spirit who is above with divine beings, before whom the embodiment took place and spirit itself who is embodied in individual human beings. The Holy Spirit is a unity and also is individualized in individual human beings. Separation, individualization always has something to do with egotism. Joining together, flowing together in love, uniting, all have their archetype in the Holy Spirit, E-D-N end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Cologne, January 31, 1911. Manuscript from Alice Kinkle. The Essence of Meditation. Meditation has two sides. Number one, a technical side. Number two, a side that is carried into life. That is, the way in which we think, feel, and act is changed by means of proper meditation. Patience and conscientiousness are necessary when practicing meditation. What do we do when we meditate? We imitate what divine spiritual beings in the highest hierarchies did millions and millions of years ago, deeds that gave rise to our earth. Everything around us is condensed divine thought following the motif, quote, steady drops hollow out the stone, close quote, these spiritual beings were thinking rhythmically. What they thought about, often and in short rhythmic cycles, became hard earthly substance 
diamond, for example. Imagining things that do not exist in the physical world is creative work, not thoughts about what is already present. Quote, I am an egotist. I am not a Christian. Close quote. These are two very fruitful sentences for meditation. We must get to know ourselves as monsters. An encounter with the guardian of the threshold is an awful experience for everyone. This must be said to an esotericist. Seeing beautiful things and forms is astral maya, is Lucifer. Hearing the masters and similar things is etheric maya, is Araman. One must research what one sees and hears. Then the true shape comes into view. End of Esoteric Lesson Esoteric Lesson Given in Munich on February 12, 1911 Manuscripts from Matilda Scholl, Barbara Wolfe, Amelie Fugger-Glett It is important for modern human beings to become conscious of what they are doing when they enter upon an esoteric life, of the changes that are happening to them. We have often heard there are two paths that lead us into the spiritual world, one in which we descend deep within ourselves, the other in which we strive outward into the macrocosm. The forces that we seek that created us from outside we also have within us. We seek them not because we don't have them, but because we don't recognize them within us. In theosophy we learn of the two paths that should balance one another, for modern human beings are no longer suited to follow only one path. Both paths have their dangers, which we will discuss later, and both are difficult. The inner path we tread in our meditations, in our inspirations. The outer path we tread in imagination, and through the thorough study of theosophical teachings about the evolution of the world. Not only is our intellect developed by this study, but our feelings are also influenced, and we will notice that we have become altogether new human beings after years of thoroughly studying these ideas. Theosophy has an effect on people whether or not they are receptive to it. Modern human beings fall into two categories, those who seek theosophy and find what they seek within it, and those who have no idea what to do with it, who oppose it with animosity. Since 1879, a small group of people have grown mature enough to accept theosophical literature, but it is a small group only, while other modern people are still incapable of acquiring these teachings and consider them reveries or fantasies, or are even angered by them. The etheric bodies of people who prove to be receptive for theosophical teachings are set gently vibrating when these teachings are allowed to work on them. On the other hand, those who completely surrender to the spirit of our age, who lose themselves in externalities, have etheric bodies that expand and thin out. If such people hear of theosophical spiritual teachings, then it is as if the wind were blowing through a narrow opening in their etheric bodies. This they experience as fear that appears externally 
as doubt. Such people notice only the doubt, which, however, is only an expression of fear and anxiety, both of which have moved into their etheric bodies as if into a space void of air. There they make themselves noticeable as doubt in our consciousness. To begin with, we cannot help such people who behave so dismissively toward theosophy. It is better if we leave them in peace without theosophy. However, whenever the opportunity presents itself, we should allow theosophical ideas to gently flow to them following the principle, quote, steady drops hollow out the stone, close quote. For we have only 400 years left approximately to make this teaching available to all people in the form of theosophy. In order for everyone to have an opportunity, those people who have resisted the ideas of theosophy in their present incarnation will be incarnated again in the next 400 years. But then, too, a corresponding number of people must be present who can properly represent theosophy. For a long time, before the event of Golgotha, human beings could tread only one path, the one leading inward. In ancient India and Egypt, people ascended into their inner being. Had they wanted to go into the microcosm, they would have lost themselves within it. They would have stood before darkness, before the void. For human beings at that time were related to each other differently. Their inner members were related to each other differently. This form of union with God extended into the Middle Ages because the human being changes only slowly. Mystics such as Meister Eckhart, Johannes Tauler and Molinos teach us the inner path and describe it in detail. Molinos speaks of five steps of deepening immersion. He teaches how we must turn away from all that is external in order to arrive within. Number one, we must turn away from everything creature-like that corresponds to our physical body. Number two, from all life that corresponds to the forces in our etheric body. Number three, from all the talents that correspond to our astral body. Number four, from our I, capital, that coincides with our fourth part. And five, that we must merge with God. However, it gradually became necessary for us to tread both paths, the inner and outer, simultaneously. For this reason, in the 11th and 12th centuries, the occult schools of the Rosicrucians appeared and taught both paths. The writer of the Apocalypse first showed us the outer path. He showed us that we must be entirely separated from our personality in order to tread this path. In a humble way, he says that on the island of Patmos he was caught up by the Spirit. This has a very specific meaning. In order to tread this external path, that is, in order to find union with the divine in the macrocosm, it is necessary for us to choose a solid point from which we concentrate ourselves. So, John, the theologian, calculated spiritually the position the stars would have on September 30th, 395. And from this point he had his visions. 
On September 30th, in, in 395, the sun was in the constellation of Virgo, the Virgin, that is, in front of the constellation, and the moon was below her. We expressed this picture in one of the seven seals. This time can also be calculated exoterically. Scholars have done this and concluded that the Apocalypse was written only around this time by John Chrysostom, who was alive at the time. But in reality we are touching upon a great secret here. For the Apocalypse was, of course, written much earlier, and the writer had merely placed himself in the year 395. Both paths, of course, harbor dangers that an esotericist must watch out for. Even esotericists who absorb theosophical teachings are attacked by many doubts, for this is according to nature. Also, it is better than if they were to thoughtlessly accept everything with blind faith. But they must, of course, overcome this doubt, and their strength will thereby grow. A second danger into which esotericists can fall on this external path is instability. Every one of us who has concerned ourselves with the study of world evolution will have experienced how interests that we had previously disappear, how we can no longer hold on to anything earthly. Here the danger that lies close at hand is not that we become conscious of the instability, but rather that it presents itself to us in the guise of a high ideal that we must strive toward, a mission that we must fulfill. If we see through this, however, and recognize it as camouflaged instability, then we are making great progress on the right path. When descending into our inner life, there are also two dangers that threaten us. Through immersion into our own souls, we can attain a certain sensual pleasure, a feeling of comfortable ease in the divine, and thereby fall into a subtle egotism. This then leads us to turn away from everything surrounding us that ought to still interest us. The second danger is that as we penetrate into the spiritual world through our inner soul life, we interpret what comes to meet us as a revelation of the Spirit, when it may well be no more than our own feelings. Mystics of the Middle Ages did not yet have the teachings of theosophy, we do not find them among those mystics. Their union with the divine is like a neo-Buddhism. They do not yet need the external path. The verse ex Deo nasimur, in Christo morimur, is in mysticism also in the form in Christ we live. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Strasbourg, February 19, 1911. Manuscript from Alice Kinkle Suppose we ask the leaders of the present-day esoteric Rosicrucian stream why people today should devote themselves to an esoteric life, whether it might not be better for them to say to themselves, quote, If the will of the divine spiritual world wants to allow me to enter higher worlds, then it will do this by itself, and I will therefore wait. Close quote then these leaders would answer, quote, You are forgetting 
that you as a human being on the earth are on a battlefield. Indeed, you are in the battle between the good spiritual forces against Lucifer and Araman. Both are striving to collect soldiers for their armies from the souls of human beings. Close quote. What does Lucifer want to make out of a human soul? From a one-sided point of view, he has a high, noble goal. We know that the previous incarnation of our earth was Old Moon, a cosmos of wisdom, that it was entirely permeated by wisdom. But there, one power that is now embodied on the earth was lacking, love. So too, Lucifer is entirely permeated by wisdom. But he knows love not at all. He devoted himself entirely to wisdom. He became drunk with wisdom, so to speak. And for this reason he wants to fill all beings, all children of earth, with wisdom. Therein the great temptation always lies for human beings. Lucifer, whose power lives in us, speaks to us approximately the following, quote, You want to see into all connections and relationships. You want to know everything. Everything will become clear to you if you take me entirely into yourself. Close quote. He wants to give us wisdom without love, but this leads to self-seeking wisdom. Lucifer still believes that he can win human beings as soldiers for his army, and he works hard at achieving this. Lucifer is present in all learning and knowing, in all perception. There is only one place where he cannot get to us, and that is when we are entirely immersed with devotion into our meditations, in wisdom, then we escape Lucifer. And Araman, what does Araman want? He wants to give power to human beings. Araman is a spirit who fell away even earlier. At the time of Old Sun, the archangels were human beings, but entirely different from us today. Thinking at that time was immediately translated into action. The human beings of that time were mighty beings. Thought immediately became reality. Wisdom had not yet achieved the level of Old Moon, but there was power. Power alone, without wisdom, leads to black magic, to darkening. We conquer Araman through the attitude that we want to devote ourselves to the world spirit through the desire to be the instrument of the world spirit alone and allow only the world spirit to work in us. If we do our meditation with this attitude, then we can conquer Araman. We conquer Lucifer by filling the I capital entirely with this meditative content. Lucifer can enter my astral body only, not my I. The Christ impulse is love. Love without wisdom would be very bad. An example of this would be the mother who taught her daughter like an idol and therefore could not refuse her anything. Because of this wrong-headed upbringing, the daughter became a famous mixer of poisons at the beginning of the 19th century. This same daughter's individuality is incarnated again as a black magician. She was incarnated again so quickly because such beings are spit out by the spiritual world, so to speak. 
Lucifer is redeemed by Christ. Human beings who take Lucifer into themselves on future Jupiter will become mighty beings, but they will experience burning of their eye in wisdom without love. On future Venus, it will then be a case of black magic, a condition that will be like spiritual drowning. In order to, for pure love to shine on Venus, it is necessary for human beings already now to have a will toward esotericism. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Hanover, March 5, 1911. Record A, notes from Paula Stritzik. Record B, manuscript from Nellie Lichtenberg. Record C, manuscript from Alice Kinkle. Record A, drowning, burning. Daily verse, Sunday. Two verses are given to pupils in the Rosicrucian schools to support them in the meditations. They are, Beware of drowning in your esoteric striving. Beware of burning in the fire of your own eye. Protect yourself in your esoteric striving from drowning. Protect yourself from burning up from the fire of your own eye. There are two ways to strive toward the Spirit, an inner way and an outer. Everything around us is like a veil, like a covering over the Spirit, which we must penetrate in order to get to the spiritual world lying behind it. But in which direction? This covering surrounds us on all sides, above, below, in front of us, behind us, to the right and left of us, and within also. All that we experience as joy and pain is like a veil, like a mist that conceals the spiritual world within us. And this is the same spiritual world that we find when we penetrate through the external covering. So that humanity can develop further and grow into the spiritual world, from time to time there always appear those who are more advanced than is normally permitted by the current stage of humanity's evolution. These people have messages for us concerning the conditions of human development that extend far into the future. Such advanced beings must exist in order to lead humanity into the future. John, who wrote the Apocalypse, was one such person. Wanting to write down a revelation of the future, he said to himself, If I write this book out of my present environment, out of all that surrounds me, it will be influenced by the self that lives in my body, by the I that was created out of, is bound by, and is connected with all that surrounds me and with all that is in me. I must free myself of all of this. He had to place himself on something like a rock that would serve him as a solid foundation, upon which he would not waver and would not be influenced by anything surrounding him or within himself that might cause him to falter. And he transported himself to the evening of September 30th, 395, on the island of Patmos at sundown, when the sun had already disappeared below the horizon, but its effects could still be felt, and as the stars and the moon appeared. And the constellation of Virgo, the Virgin was present above the western horizon, 
illuminated by the glow of the descending sun, and below it at the Virgin's feet was the moon. This picture is represented again in one of the seals, the Virgin with the radiant sun and the moon at her feet. Thus all of these seals were brought forth out of deep mystical relationships. John broke through the covering that surrounds us in the direction of the constellation Virgo. There are twelve star constellations. Seven of them are good, those represented on the seals. The other five are more or less dangerous. Just as John chose this particular point in time and space in order to free himself completely from himself and from all things temporal, so too Rosicrucian pupils must find solid ground in themselves. And the best way for this to happen is for us to allow theosophical teachings to work upon us. The astral body, and thereby the etheric body, becomes expanded by listening to theosophical ideas. This is the effect upon everyone who hears something about theosophy. But the effect upon those who are inclined toward theosophy is different from the effect upon those who are not so inclined. The former feel the expansion of their etheric bodies and fill them with theosophical teaching by accepting this teaching. The others feel an emptiness in their etheric bodies because they do not accept these ideas which would have filled the expansion. Then doubt and skepticism arise because of this emptiness. However, the former feel themselves being poured into the universe and they must be careful to not let themselves go too far for then they would have a feeling of hollowness of not being at home in these widths of space much like a fish that is removed from water and yet cannot live in the air because it has not yet adapted its organs to this changed element if a theosophist devotes him or herself to the teachings of theosophy and he or she continues expanding then he or she becomes lost in this unknown, unfamiliar element. One must be careful not to be drowned here. And this is certainly possible, that one can study theosophy earnestly, take it in and penetrate it. It is possible for one to take hold of theosophy with one's feeling, not only in thinking and willing, but also to completely permeate it with one's feeling. One can do this only with great earnestness. One must acquire a solid foundation in oneself, like John when he wanted to write the Apocalypse and set himself on the island of Patmos in the evening of September 30, 395, at the time of sunset. Astronomically, this position of the stars, sun, Virgo, moon, on that evening can be checked and has been. Now materialistic scholarship has concluded from this that the Apocalypse was written at that time. And then we hear that scientific scholarship has ascertained this. In this way, scientific scholarship has ascertained this fact. On the inner path, one finds all the joys and sorrows, pains and bliss that live in us. But all of this is nothing more than what lives in our lower transitory self. This whole world of desires surrounds us like a misty fog that hides the spiritual world. 
We must break through it to reach the spiritual world. There are forces that approach the esoteric pupils to make the fog denser. Unless we fight against it, this fog gets thicker. We must burn off this fog in order that we not burn up in the fire of our own desires. If we do not overcome this fog, if we do not set ourselves against this ever-thickening fog caused by Luciferic and Aramonic powers, then we are prisoners, as it is called in occultism. As a matter of fact, there are people in the present time who enter existence with great gifts and quickly attain a certain stage, but they are then completely enveloped by the adversarial powers in just such a fog and are unable to escape. This is called occult imprisonment. Our world of desires consists of nothing but egotism, and we can conquer this egotism only through deep humility. What is the thought that can lead us to overcome egotism? It is the thought that we already discussed yesterday in the exoteric lecture, the thought that we have killed the Christ. We are murderers. Yes, that is what we are. We can transform this fact, but only by allowing the Pauline saying, quote, not I, but Christ in me, close quote, to become a truth in us, to live in us. Rather than killing the divine in us through egotism, in our life of desires, we should allow Christ to live within us. With awe-filled earnestness, we should approach this easy and yet so very difficult task. We have arisen out of the divine. This is expressed in the Rosicrucian verse, Ex Deo Nasimer. We should take upon ourselves all suffering, willingly and patiently, with the thought that we have killed Christ. We should devote ourselves to Him completely. We should die in Him, in Christo Mormo. Then we will be born again through the Holy Spirit. We will awake again, per Spiritum Sanctum Revivissimus. This verse sounds different when expressed exoterically rather than esoterically, but the difference is found only in one word that is left out. In leaving out this word, when we refrain from speaking this word out of awe-filled reverence for the one whom this word expresses, then our feelings go to him whose name is not spoken out of deep reverence. Exoteric, ex deonasimur, in Christo morimur, per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. Esoteric, ex deonasimur, in Moremor, per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. In these lines is presented again how the human being has arisen out of the spirit, how the human being was originally contained in the spirit. Quote, In the spirit lay the seed of my body. In my body lies the seed of the spirit. Close quote. End of record A. Record B. Two meditations are given to the disciple in Rosicrucian schooling to support the meditations. These are, in your esoteric striving, guard yourself against drowning. And secondly, protect yourself from burning up in the fire of your own ego.
There are two paths for those who are striving esoterically, the one outward and the one inward. Something lies before our eyes like a veil, like a covering, that we must penetrate in order to get to the spiritual world lying behind it. This veil lies not just in one direction, but all around us, above, below, left, right. The veil must be penetrated in every direction, and the same veil is found on the path inward. All that we experience in terms of joy and suffering is like a fog around us that covers the spiritual world, the same spiritual world that we find when we penetrate the outer covering. So that humanity can advance toward the spiritual, there are from time to time people who are further developed than current human development would otherwise allow. They have messages to deliver concerning times that reach far into the future of human evolution. One such person was John, the writer of the Apocalypse. However, before he wrote this revelation concerning future human conditions, he said to himself, Before I can do this, I must manage to escape my present surroundings entirely, these surroundings in which I am influenced by my own self, which is connected and bound to all that surrounds me. I must get free of all of this. He had to place himself as if on a rock that would serve him as a solid foundation, upon which he would not waver, upon which he could not be influenced by anything of that which surged in him and around him. So he transferred himself to the evening of September 30th, 395, at sundown on the island of Patmos. When the sun had nearly disappeared from the horizon, as the moon and the stars emerged, the constellation of Virgo, the Virgin, stood in the western sky with the radiant sun, and below at her feet was the moon. This picture of the Virgin with the radiant sun, the moon at her feet, is given again in the seal. Thus all the seals are derived from deeply mystical connections. Thus John penetrated the outer covering in this direction, in the direction of the constellation Virgo. However, there are twelve directions toward the twelve constellations. Seven of them are good, five are more or less dangerous. Just as John chose this specific place in time and space in order to free himself from himself and from everything temporal that surrounded him, so too the Rosicrucian pupil must find in him or herself a firm foothold, must find solid ground. All who hear theosophical teachings sense an effect upon their astral body and through this their etheric body. An expansion of the etheric body occurs. That is the case with everyone. But the effects vary. Those who feel themselves drawn to theosophical teachings will have their expanded etheric body filled with the content of this teaching. Those who are repelled by theosophical teachings also feel an expansion of their etheric bodies. However, because they cannot accept the ideas, emptiness arises, and through this emptiness, doubt and skepticism. Those who are permeated by theosophical teachings can sometimes become poured too far out into the universe because of their expanded etheric body. 
then they have a feeling of hollowness, of not feeling at home in these widths of space, like a fish that comes onto land out of the water and cannot live there, because its organs are not adapted to this environment. One is lost in this unknown place to which one is unaccustomed. One must guard against drowning. And one protects oneself from this by taking up theosophy with great earnestness, by taking hold of it with feeling, not only with thinking, but by being entirely permeated by it. One must acquire a firm foothold in oneself, as John did when he wanted to write the Apocalypse. He placed himself in the evening of September 30th, 395, on the island of Patmos. This can also be checked astronomically this arrangement of the stars, sun, Virgo, moon, and it has been checked. And from this, materialistic scholarship has concluded that the Apocalypse was written at that time. And then we are told that scholarship has verified this, thus scholarship has proven this. On the path inward, we find all the joys and suffering, pain and bliss that live in us, Yet all this belongs only to our lower, perishable self. This whole world of desires surrounds us like a fog that covers the spiritual for us. It prevents us from seeing and noticing the spiritual. We must break through it to reach the spiritual. There are powers that approach the esoteric pupil and make this fog thicker and thicker. This fog becomes increasingly dense around us, We must burn it off if it is not to burn us, if we are not to burn up in the fire of our own desires. If we do not overcome it, then we are imprisoned by Araman and Lucifer in this fog. Thus, as a matter of fact, there are people who enter life with great talents and very quickly achieve a certain level, but are then entirely enveloped by the adversarial powers. This is called being, quote, held in occult imprisonment, close quote. Our world of desires is entirely made up of egotism. And we can overcome this egotism only through deep humility. What is the thought that can lead us to overcome this egotism? It is the thought that we discussed yesterday in the exoteric lecture. The thought that we have killed the Christ. We are murderers. Yes, that is what we are. And all of this we can compensate for only by allowing the Pauline saying to live in us, to become truth in us, quote, not I, but Christ in me, close quote. We do not want to kill the divine in us through egotism in our life of desires, but rather allow Christ to live in us. With painful seriousness, we must attempt to carry out this easy yet difficult task. We have arisen out of the divine. This is expressed in the Rosicrucian verse EDN. We should accept all suffering willingly with the thought that we have killed Christ. We should devote ourselves to Him completely. We should die in Him. I-C-M. Then we should be born again through the Holy Spirit, awaken again. P-S-S-R. This verse sounds different when spoken esoterically than when spoken exoterically, but the difference lies in just one word that is omitted. When we do not speak this word, 
out of awe-filled reverence for the one whom this word expresses, then our feelings go to him whose name out of deep reverence is not spoken. In this is presented again how the human being arises out of the spiritual world, how he is originally contained in the spirit as the masters of wisdom and harmony of feelings say in the verse, quote, In the spirit lay the seed of my body, close quote, the end of record B. Record C. The two paths that lead us into the spiritual world. The first path is going out into the macrocosm. The experience that a person has thereby is like drowning in fear. This is especially strong for someone who has not yet been properly prepared. The second way leads down into one's own soul. This is the descent into the microcosm. It is like a burning in shame. And the end of record C, and that is the end of this section, which uh, was from pages 87 to page 131.